Hey guys, thanks again for joining us for this awesome conversation that I'm about to have here with uh, my friend Matt Hama. Hama, there's some uh, debate around here how to say your last name, but uh, we'll just say it's the name that needs not be spoken of. But this is my friend Matt. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited, Matt. Uh, last week, uh, the other Matt, there are a lot of Matts at this church. They should call this like Matt and Sarah Church because I've met a lot of Matts, a lot of Sarahs. But um, last week, Matt Myers kicked off the series, uh, this idea of people of the book, um, this idea of us being people who engage with the text of scripture and uh, like dive into it and live the story that God's been writing and look at uh, this reflect on this text that he's written. And so I'm really excited about this. So thank you so much for joining me this morning. Um, it's awesome. Even some of the conversations we've had leading up to this are really inspiring. And so what I want to do this week is Matt last week, he was talking about the big story, kind of the meta narrative, this representation of God's character throughout history and how we can improvise and live in that. And we get to know his character and we kind of li- express that we join in, uh, we join in his work. We're joining in the restoration of all things in our lives and our world. And uh, so he's talking about the big story. And this week I want to talk about the history. Like, you know, where did this book come from? Why do we have it? Why should we be a people of the book? And then uh, coming up, and you're going to join us again in two weeks, um, just talk about our story and how we actually like engage with this text. So um, what, I, you know, what I'm going to be doing this morning is just asking Matt some questions. I'll have some conversation and hopefully it's helpful and meaningful to you guys. So first of all, I'll start off with the obvious, Matt. Um, where does this book come from? Like we have these 66 books called the canon that make the Bible. There's the Old Testament, New Testament. Where did they come from? And maybe you could speak specifically to where did the Old Testament come from? Where did the New Testament come from? Like why did those books end up being the compilation? Yeah. Again, it's it's a big conversation. There's lots going on, lots of moving pieces, but the story of the Old Testament, I think even jumping back into kind of prefacing uh, that as the story of, of Israel. So the people of Israel saw it as their story. They saw, uh, yeah, this this way in which um, it captured who they were as a people. Uh, but alongside that, these people also saw underneath that, this, this story being also about a story about God and what he was unfolding and how he was at work. And so it was this kind of combination of those two uh, things. And so as, as this people developed this story, they uh, grew in their story, they had people, scribes and prophets that actually participated in writing this down. They wanted to, to compile and, and to, to think about how they, they could put this into words. And so you, you get these epic narratives and you get this poetry and you get uh, wisdom literature. So you get all these different genres. And, and, and it wasn't that they just did it haphazardly. It was it, these, these compilers, these people that brought it together were in many ways literary geniuses. And, they, and so they, they used... Uh, a lot of different patterns and, and techniques uh, to, to compile and to bring the story together into one whole. Uh, but yeah, the, the question is, how did it go from that to, to what we have now? And I think that, yeah, with the Old Testament and New Testament, there's a bit of a, a difference. But with the Old Testament, what happened was as, as this people's story kind of progressed, they moved into the, eventually they led, it led them to the Babylonian exile. And, and they spent time in exile for a season, and then they came back. And they came back to the land of Israel. And when they got back to that space, they they wanted to really uh, firm up and cement who who they were as a people. What did it mean to be uh, the people of God? And so they started compiling and, and bringing together their story uh, at, at that level. And that was kind of the initial size of formation in terms of uh, the Old Testament. And it kind of grew from there. Uh, but then then from there, the, the New Testament, uh, you have this period of time where 
the story of Israel is, is kind of on this cliffhanger and they're waiting for this one, this, this figure who's going to restore and redeem and, and make things right because they've been living under uh, oppression and they've been living in, in a really difficult circumstance. And so, so Jesus of Nazareth steps onto the scene and, and the, he, 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 through his, his death, and his his resurrection, there's this Christian movement that starts, and it starts to take uh, gain momentum, and and eventually the followers of Jesus, uh, after this has all happened, they want to they want to compile it, and so they start bringing stuff together, uh, they start writing uh, letters and, to the churches, and 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 so they start bringing together kind of this this Christian canon that started to take shape in terms of these these writings. Um, yeah, that, that eventually came into a unified whole with later councils and uh, yeah. church meetings. So when we get to the uh, New Testament, it like it seems like there's more. I don't know. Growing up, I just heard these stories like you know Constantine put the Bible together, right. and that's just he he made it, and there it is. Um, but it seems like as I look at it more, there's just kind of this like consensus of the church. This is where the church steps in, and it's kind of like mm. this letter is like it becomes a circular letter, and they keep it, and over time that kind of. Like, would you say that's maybe a better picture, a better understanding, or maybe you could hash out like how, who got to decide these are the twenty-seven books of the New Testament that we're like keeping? Yeah, yeah, it's that's a good question because I, I, you look at, at the history of it and you start to look at the ways in which the church was developing and gaining momentum, and 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 one of the challenges that they inevitably faced as it started to grow was how do we how do we. Uh, not control, but how do we establish what it means to be a follower of Jesus? How do we uh, prevent some of the, because there were some really harmful things going on in that space in terms of false teachings and heresies and things that, that actually weren't really helpful to the growth of the church. And so the, the, these councils took place and they said, what does it mean? How do we, how do we really firm up what it means to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be part of the Christian church? And so it wasn't just that they said, well, let's just grab these, these whatever books and we'll throw them together. Because what happens is uh, they, they choose, they, they recognize certain criteria that are necessary for certain books. Yeah. And so they look at these books and they go, okay, well, uh, things such as they go up apostolic authority. So how close were these, were these, these was a, a given text, was it connected to uh, the, uh, an apostle? Was it, was, it, was it connected by either some personal connection or a theological connection to an apostle? Or they have uh, things like antiquity. Was it an old enough book? Did it, did it fall close enough to, to this space? You talk about orthodoxy. Did it, did it teach what was, what was consistent with the, the, the people that Jesus entrusted his ministry to? Or, or uh, usage, was it, was it used widely amongst the growing church? Was it something that didn't just show up in one location? Uh, or, or there's things such as... Um, uh, did it did it have a long tradition of being used? So was it widely used, but was also consistently used? Yeah. And so you, they they established these different criteria to to kind of establish. Okay, if something showed up later, we can't just toss it in there. But there's certain criteria that helped kind of distinguish and, and, and set in place what was in there. So that's awesome. That's I think that's helpful because we see kind of where it's coming from. But tell me a little bit more about these authors, either Old Testament or New Testament. We often hear this word like inspiration or like God inspired. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to, I, I guess I'll quickly say too about this conversation. Like we're not actually like going into the Bible about this conversation because we're talking about it. And, you know, we could maybe pull up verses that are like, well, you should trust the Bible because this. But I want us to maybe wrestle with like how as a human do we approach this book and say, you know, why is yeah. it important? Why is it valuable for our lives? So what I want to know is these authors, like 
why them? Like, what does it mean for them to be inspired or why did they get to write these things? Mm. How that, how does that go? Yeah. The idea of inspiration is, is interesting. It's a, it's a, I think a really important, uh, yeah, really important to talk about in, in this space because I, I think in, uh, in the modern church, there's been different conceptions of what that's meant. So, so ideas of the, the Bible being inspired, one, one idea being this idea of golden tablets, that, that the Bible, as is uh, King James Version, fell from heaven, and this is how we got it, and this is kind of... So there was no human interaction, no participation in the whole event. But then there, there, another, something, or another uh, approach or, or thought people have had is, well... There's actually human participation, but it becomes more of this idea of like dictation that that humans are there, but they're not really there. So, so they're they, like the person in the courtroom. Yeah, kind of, they're just yeah. kind of dictating, writing what's what's being spoken to them, yeah. and they they don't they kind of uh, the their autonomy is is kind of dissipated, and so they kind of just they just write. But that I find those two those two conceptions are are interesting, but I think. Uh, they're in a lot of ways they're developed out of our modern perception of, of our modern understanding of, of inspiration, uh, which, yeah, I think there's a tendency for us to associate inspiration or like something that's been inspired by God. Uh, yeah, to that, that as soon as there's human involvement, that kind of disqualifies it. That, that inspiration is simply a that has to be a pure, a pure event of like, as soon as yeah, a human steps into the mix that it, that it falls apart. But I, when, when we look at the biblical text, I think we get to re reimagine what that means because I think they have a different conception of that um, in terms of how they paint this, this idea of something being inspired. So you look at uh, example, if you want to want to dive into the text, you look at uh, the example of Jeremiah, the prophet who uh, in his process of compiling, it talks about in, in Jeremiah 36, it talks about him compiling his, his, his writings. And, and, and as a result, as he compiles his writings, he then gets his scribe, this, this guy named Baruch, to, to participate in that. And what happens is as a king, he brings him to the king and the king kind of burns him up. He says, I don't want this. And so or, uh, they go back to the drawing board and they rewrite them again. And then they, they actually add to their, his writings in the second round. And so there's this participation. And then if you look at the manuscript tradition, so where we get these texts from, uh, the, the kind of transmission over the history of, of, of the biblical text, uh, you see these, these scribes and these people that are participating in this, in this transmission, they're, they're, they're writing in the margins. They're trying to assess and look at what's being written and trying to faithfully transmit what's been passed down. And so you see this, this human participation where they're going, was, is that the best way to render it? Is that the best way to put it together? And so, uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting side in terms of how we reconcile that with this idea of a perfect God participating with imperfect people. Um, Sorry, do you think some of that's maybe like, a fear like maybe a construct we built in our mind that like if a person got involved now all of a sudden like we can't trust scripture like do you think maybe there's a fear there or something we feel we need to prove to the world or like what what births that or is that maybe just like an easier perspective to have like god said it paul wrote it kind of thing right yeah i think i think there's all maybe some sense of corruption that that as humans take participate that it's going to go south really quickly or how can we trust it when when humans have participated but yeah as i think about that in light of this the larger story of scripture to me it's actually not that surprising that god invites people to participate because in the story of scripture that you see 
God stepping into humanity, stepping into the mess, into the brokenness, into the into the the imperfection of it all, and participating and and, and partnering with humans in in that process. And so, for me, as I look at look at that being worked out, I, I see this transmission of scripture as a really beautiful way in which uh, we get to see kind of this vision of God inviting us to participate in what He's up to. Yeah, I, maybe I feel like if I think it's valid. Like we're imperfect, um, sinful, broken people. So in one sense to be like, well, if I got involved, scripture might be in jeopardy. However, maybe it speaks more so to the magnitude of God that even through imperfect people, he could like, so I think about my little daughter, Avra, like I'll like put her up on something and like, you can try this thing. And she's like scared. She might fall straight. But I'm like, no, like you can trust me. Like I will catch you. Um, I mean, I might not because I'm actually imperfect, but hopefully I do. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe that maybe that's ra- rather than trying to like protect or defend God's right. work, maybe be like He's already done that. And as Matt was talking about this grand narrative of Scripture, that He's He's making that happen regardless of human imperfection. So I really love that. So maybe the bridging to another question I had. Growing up in the church, um, I often felt, um, and not from a specific person or whatever, but sometimes it just seemed like this mentality of if there's a question, there's an answer. And it was always very like two plus two equals four type things. As I'm growing up and studying scripture more, it feels a little bit more messy and ambiguous. It was just like, who wrote Genesis or Deuteronomy? It's like, Moses wrote it. So I grow up, I read books, and it's just like, well, maybe a whole bunch of people wrote them. And maybe there was more going on than that. Maybe he wrote parts of it. Maybe, and, you know, like stuff got burned up and a subscriber wrote that and stuff. So kind of been talking about maybe some of the reasons why we want to have some of the maybe safer in the box answers. And I'm, I'm not trying to diss that, but I want to be a church with that asks the hard questions and wrestles with that. Cause those questions are out there. And if we're going to love the book, if we're going to be passionate about the book, if we're going to be a people of the book to be that for like good reasons through the tough questions, not because we ignored them. So how do you feel having maybe some of these more kind of sanitized or safe answers? Like, do you think there are benefits to that? Or do you think that's, um, I don't know if you have a strong opinion on this. Are there benefits that, are there maybe a lack of benefits that, or what's a better approach mm. to that? Like, you know, when there are actually tough questions out there rather than having kind of this safer in the box approach. Yeah, I think simple answers, they can have, certainly have their place. And I think they can be really helpful starting points for us to go. How do we get into something? How do we start thinking about something? But uh, at the same time, I also think it's really important to to see the Bible for what it is, to let it speak on its own terms. And as we do that, again, as you've alluded to, there's a lot of complexity to it. Uh, you look at the text that's been compiled over over centuries, over different cultures and different uh, circumstances and contexts, and and you see how all those things come together with this whole slew of authors. That yeah, there's a lot going on at that level. Uh, and on top of that, you you look at the ways in which uh, yeah, the people at a literary level put those things together. It's really complex. And so I I think yeah, there there is also this invitation or or a need for us to see that complexity if we're gonna honestly go like how do we how do we work with this? But at the same time, uh, if we look at it through that lens, there's there's this invitation because the the Bible, it was written as meditation literature. It wasn't written as like I think there's the temptation to go like here's a rule book. Here's the ten steps that I need. And I think in our culture, we often want really 
quick, easy yeah, answers, sure. which is tricky because the Bible is written as, as meditation literature. It's meant to be sat in for long, long periods of time, and we're supposed to read it over and over and over and over again. And as we do that, it starts to shape us and it starts to form us. And we start to not simply read it, but we start to see ourselves within it. And we start to understand that actually maybe there, there's something going on in me that I need to sort out. And I think the, the spirit works in those spaces to actually change us and shape us. And so yeah, simple answers can be really helpful starting points, but I think if we leave them there, they can oftentimes be a, a, a yeah, they can hinder and they can yeah, risk leaving us with with less than I think is on on offer. Totally. I think for me, I, you know, I just hit a point in my Christian journey where I'm following Jesus, but really when I thought about why should I read the Bible? Why should I engage with scripture? The biggest go-to answer I had was, well, at church they told me I should. Um, which is good that they told me I should because like, that's right. But it just wasn't enough to fuel that. And that's, I guess, kind of why I want to invite some of these conversations around. Mm-hmm. Like, let's wrestle with what the book actually is. Let's understand where it came from. And this, this is work. Um, this is like, it is kind of heavy stuff. Like, there really is no quick, easy, like, take your daily vitamin to follow Jesus type thing. I'm not saying we all have to read scripture for 10 hours a day each day, but... Jesus does invite us to lay down our lives. And I think some of that is being willing to give some of our time to meditate and to dig in and all that. Um, as I've grown up and I've, you know, seen the human fingerprints on the Bible, like, for example, um, viewers at home, if you go to like John 5, 4, it's just not in your Bible. Maybe it's still in the King James Version. So you're not like a King James Version. John 5, 4, Mark 7, 16, you'll just see some verses where they're missing. And when I first started coming across that, I was confused because I was like, well, if it's the Bible and God inspired it and it's been preserved, like it it was kind of offsetting for me. I was like, oh no. And people hadn't been wrestling through those questions with me. So, but as I've journeyed through more, I see his human fingerprints. I see how God's worked through people. And I'm like, it's actually kind of cool that there are like maybe some bumps or wrinkles, like some question marks. It's like, wait, that's weird. But God's still like reigning over this. So um, I guess one of my questions is like, maybe in the context of that or just in general, why you know, my greatest desire in this series isn't to just ask questions and be like, okay, let's question everything. But out of the questions, wrestle with some things and come to a point where we see the book as a thing of value mm-hmm. that we would want to like, not that we'd want to read it and apply that to our lives, but that we'd also want to continue in this narrative that God's writing. I've been saying when Matt Myers and I talk about, I'm saying the canon is closed. That's the compilation of the Bible's closed, but God's work is not closed. He's continuing that. I think we need the canon of scripture to inspire that. So, if we're to ask, so this is a really long lead up to this question, but if we're to ask, why is this book of value? Why should I read it? Why should I like build my life around it or try to like build my life on this or follow its teachings? Um, despite the human fingerprints and all that, what would you say, what, how would you answer that? Someone's like, why should I engage with this text? Yeah, I think I'd probably say two things, at least right now. And some of it, I may be repeating myself a little bit, but the one side for me that gets me as I look at yeah the human side of it and we see people interacting with and engaging it for me the one big piece of that is it it, it puts on display God entering into humanity and uh, stepping into this space where things are broken and messy yeah. and 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 to me that that story that picture of scripture of going like God enters in God and to see it put on display in the in the Bible it, like it opens it up for me of going 
actually he's he's unfolding something he's opening something up he's putting something on offer and he's not just standing off but he actually enters into the brokenness and the suffering mm. and the pain and to see it in in like this process is is, is really profound and rich for me and then the second thing uh, I, I think I'd say is is when I see these people in scripture uh, Jeremiah, for example, kind of working through it, or different different authors and or or scribes and 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 people, kind of making notes in the margins and trying to figure it out, and not being so sure how it's supposed to all all come together. To me, that that gives me a lot of freedom to to be human and and to, the freedom to to wrestle and to struggle because, yeah, on the one side, it's like. I don't, I, I don't, maybe I didn't get that that day or I didn't understand that. I, I think there's a space where to see that, that throughout the history of, of the church and throughout the, even farther back in the history of Israel, people are struggling and wrestling and trying to make sense of it. And, and that for me is, is, is freeing, but it also mm-hmm. is a really beautiful invitation to go, okay, I think I can do this too. And it, it, it yeah, I guess on the one side, it's like I don't have to have it all together to, to yeah. kind of participate. I love it. Um, as you're talking about that, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the magnitude of this text written over long periods of time by tax collectors, kings, shepherds, carpenters, fishermen, cupbearers, um, and, and a bunch of people that we don't even know who they were because they're like anonymous contributors. Um, and just the magnitude of this, like, I mean, the depth of how the text works together so well to be written over that period of time by different authors is, is impossible, I I think. And that's one of the things that really amazes me. And we talk about being a people of the book. I hope that we're people that, you know, one of our greatest um, movements is to want to discover that character of God as expressed through the text and say, I want to know who God is, and I want to live that out. Am I going to fumble? Am I going to struggle? Well, for sure, but the book gives me hope because as much as we're going to be a people of the book, this is a kind of a book by the people that God inspired, and, and I just love that picture. Um, and I'm hoping through the series that there can be, we can kind of be a little bit more inspired to, um, to read. And so um, I think we're going to kind of wrap it up there, um, but I love what you're talking about, just this idea of like, understanding God's character and figuring out how you live out of that. Cause that's going to be, um, I think over the next couple of weeks, um, we talk about our story as inspired by scripture, how to, um, read scripture there. There's like, you're working on your PhD on like the dead sea scrolls. Like you're, you're in it. Like you're in like Bible level, like 9,000. Right. And maybe it seems awkward, but you know, a lot of people out there, uh, have hardly even turned a page. And I think no matter where you're at, if, if we start in some simple approaches to, Let's look for God's character. Let's look how we can live in response to the text. Um, I think it's transformative, and especially if we do that as a community. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that, and I really appreciate your time, and I'm looking forward to kind of our upcoming weeks talking about, well, it'll be me next week, and then you and me in two weeks talking about how we can actually try to bring that to life out of different parts of Scripture. So, anyways, thank you so much for your time, Matt. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it, Townfield. Thanks for joining in on this conversation. Um, if stuff we're talking about here resonates with you, if you have further questions and you're like, I don't really quite know how to make sense of that, um, get in touch with us at the church. You can email me, ryan at townfield.ca or if you got my number or hit me up on social media or whatever. Love to continue this conversation. 
But hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we'll give you some helpful tools on how to actually start engaging with the book and become a people of the book. Um, we're going to continue singing now in response to the this great and magnificent creator that we're talking about who's penned this narrative and is continuing to do so. Why don't you sing with us? <laughs>